We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 67 is what I'm told. I can no longer remember. Matt keeps us uh, on the rails in that vein. With that said, Matt Rooney, how are we doing today? I've always been a numbers man, Joe. You know that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, well, I, I don't know how, how deep we'll dig into the numbers here in episode 67, but uh, still uh, plenty of topics to talk about here. And uh, it's, it's a few days old, but um, we still have to lament over... Uh, over love lost with our with our boy Tiger. It he was, was uh, so close when he we struck that. What was it? Nine iron from one sixty, eight iron from one sixty, to get mm-hmm. him back to thirteen under and one shot back. I thought it was done. Thought it was over. I, I thought we. I actually had the thought when when that ball was in the air, and I'm not making this up because of how good of a shot it was, but the way the pro tracer went up and started cutting down, and they had the pin number over on the ground. I was like, that might go in the hole because it was cutting directly at, right at like, it. it was like, it was like two intersecting lines in that shot from behind. And, uh, uh, nonetheless, it came up about what, eight, 10 inches short, but a fantastic shot by tiger. And there were a handful of those shots. There were tiger moments throughout. There was the, uh, the hooked seven iron from the matted down stuff. The, I the drive off was- 17. Yeah, the drive off seventeen was just you thought it was over, and then well, it was. Well, well, at that point, it was over. Yeah, Brooks had, I believe, two or three shot lead. Tiger Tiger needed at least birdie, probably eagle there to make it not over, and yeah, that was about. That's when I changed the channel because I couldn't bear to watch anymore. And honestly, I, I didn't think I'd be saying this at any point, let alone this year. But if Tiger can figure out his driver, and this has been the narrative throughout his entire career, even when he was dominant, if Tiger can get a hold on his driver, he'll again be the best player in the world. And I know that's that's kind of a crazy statement. I don't think it's that crazy though, because he's actually. Well, it's crazy. Exception, it's just crazy relative to it's crazy, where we yeah, were it's crazy to think nine about. months ago. But yeah, it's not, it's crazy it's not to think out about. there outrageous statement to think about. I mean, he's been there and just, with the exception of the U.S. Open, he's been there in just about every tournament he's played. I mean, if you, you can't take out the two of the first three holes on, of, on Thursday, but if you take out two of the first three holes on Thursday, he wins the PGA. And I this doesn't count, for, might not count for anything, but I believe he had the, the lowest combined score in the British and PGA yeah, combined. So the he, PGA he's, he's right aggregate. there. I mean, he is... He's right there every time, and I, I don't. I don't really think it's as much of a, a mental thing. Like I, I think the British Open was a little bit of a mental thing. I think the PGA here was just kind of Brooks being really, really good. I think the only difference between now and you know ten years ago, eleven years ago, when he was dominating, was there's not there weren't those like dominant people around. I mean, there was Phil who was really good, and there was you know Jim Furyk was playing good golf. But like now you have like we've talked about on this podcast, seven, eight, nine, ten guys who are capable of, when they're playing their best, being mm-hmm. better than anybody else on the course, being better than Absolutely. Tiger. Tiger has that elite competition now that really, for the most part, he never never really had to deal with during his run. I mean, obviously, like we said, you know, Phil, and th- there were some bigger names, but it, the, the quantity is not the same as it is now. What do you mean, Rocco Mediate wasn't a uh, wasn't a valiant uh, cover uh, for there? Well, for he, was, he was he was very valiant, but he, he yeah. was not. Uh, he'd even tell no, you, Joe. He I totally, near totally agree. Totally agree with what you're saying. Um, not only the fact that uh, that Tiger had 
had that uh, that two hole stretch on Thursday, but there were some holes on Friday and Saturday where he left some uh, where he left some ten footers out there, eight footers out there. So it was there. But what what was most encouraging for me is he really didn't leave any out there on Sunday. The one the one stroke I think that could have occurred differently was that one that needed a topple into the hole and he hit a fantastic putt there that didn't mm-hmm. go down. So uh, you, you can't knock him for that, but um, I, he didn't leave any out there on Sunday and that was really encouraging. No, he, he went out he there. He went out there. He made the push that he had to make. Exactly. I mean, I, I think I said I needed him to be, I actually, I, I'll brag about this. Then not there's much to brag about. I said, I think we're on the, I was on the tee. I was playing golf with Mike and, uh, and my brother, Mike and Matt Seager. I kind of said on one of the tees, like, I think Tiger probably needs to be at 16 to, today to have a chance. He needs to go eight mm-hmm. under, which he challenged. He gave, you know, kind of, he, he threw his best effort at that and didn't quite get there. And that's kind of where Brooks finished at. And it wasn't like the British where he was, you know, in the lead and then just kind of folded down the stretch. He, he had his moments of adversity. He made his bogeys. He got three shots down, but he still actually kept pushing forward and got himself. I, I don't think he ever did manage to get into a tie for the lead. He got himself within one got himself up there close on the back unlike you know saturday where he had i know he had played a ton of golf on saturday but kind of yeah. the back nine he was putting himself in position to make birdie make eagle even make par and he was just kind of missing those putts and despite despite where or the history that tiger's always played in front and been comfortable in that situation new tiger might like playing from behind a little bit now let's not come into the final round four strokes behind five strokes behind yeah um, maybe a stroke off, two strokes off, so it's not uh, that much of an uphill battle. But it's a less pressure situation, and I'm not saying that he um, folded under pressure at the British. I don't know if it was the pressure that got to him or if it was just a lack of execution. But this Tiger Woods might really like playing from behind. Mm-hmm. and um, It's going to be fun to watch if he can sustain this for any odd number of years. But um, like you said... It not only has to be his game, but the field has to come back to him a little bit in some instances because there are guys like Brooks, like DJ, like JT. Uh, um, I don't know if I put Rory on that list anymore. That when they have the lead, it can get big in a hurry. And Brooks, I know it's been talked about, but Brooks is a guy now who seems to only bring his game to the majors. And I don't know what you make of that, but for me, he's he needs something to spark his interest. And I don't think anything can spark your interest more than Sunday at a major with Tiger two holes in front of me, roars going crazy. And I think that's where Brooks Kepka kind of thrives in those types of moments. So I even said it halfway through the round, we kind of needed a Gilmore situation there where someone needed to come down the fairway with, with a, with a VW bug for Brooks to blow that thing. Because yeah, Brooks wasn't going to blow it. It was going to take a superhuman effort from Tiger to even get to that tie there. Brooks is so, like like you said, he's so even keel. I've never seen, like, even when he's winning, when he's winning the U.S. Open, he's winning the PGA, when he's back a couple shots, there's just, there's no emotion. He's yeah. just, he, no matter what he does, he has the same look on his face. He kind of walks up the fairway, hits his shot, walks up to the green, hits his putt. If he makes it, he gives you a nice little fist pump. But that's, that's it. There's no, like, it, th- that's okay. That's great. That's what makes him, I think, so good down the stretch is he doesn't seem to care where he is. He's just going to play his game. But it's just it's amazing to me to watch. It's it's something that I maybe he's I, I wish I was like that. 
it's, yeah, it's, the, it's pretty the, awesome to see. And you don't see that. You rarely see that, especially on the golf course. I don't remember the last time on a first tee at a major where he's been in, you know, a, a chance to win where he hasn't striped one three twenty down the middle of the fairway. Matt, do you think the PGA has an attitude problem? Not in a bad way, but it's two of its top five players right now kind of are asleep out there, just kind of sleepwalking, getting a twenty under in, in DJ and in uh, in Brooks. You know, these are these are long drive characters nearly, and there's not an ounce of um, of screaming and yelling in them. And not that that's what the game needs, but it's a lot of fun when a guy's out there showing emotion, wearing it on his sleeves, and still knocking down putts and hitting the ball to be 30. I'm okay with it because I do think they still have enough of those guys. Well, mm-hmm. well Brooks and DJ aren't really those types of guys. I mean, Jordan Spieth is that type of guy. Rory McIlroy, while he's not probably you know elite anymore, he's the, that next category under. He is that type of guy. Ricky Fowler is the type of guy who's going to get emotional. They, they, there are, they have plenty of those guys. What, they, I'm not going to call DJ the number two player in the world anymore because he I as talented as he is, he just kind of never seems to get the job done. So, but but Brooks is is absolutely, I think, been the best player throughout the. It, that's that's okay to have one guy kind of stone faced as long as you have the other guy he's going up against, kind of you know all in emotional Patrick Reed type. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I'm okay with the balance. I don't need everybody to be the same. You know, fist pumping. Let's get all. Nor do I. Nor do I. But I'd like to. I'd like there to be a guy at the top of the leaderboard with a little bit of fire in his pants because what? what? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we don't have the explicit tag on this podcast. I don't know what I'm Let's thinking keep it about here. Even I'm still getting the crust out of my eyes here, Matt. Clearly, break. You know these these West Coast hours. Oh, yeah, it's nine in the morning. But, so early. <laughs> but uh, hey, I worked late last night. So did so, I. Yeah, all right. This isn't about us. This is about Brooks and his lack of personality. But uh, he's obviously a joy to watch play the game, the way he gets that driver out there. And um, I believe Nick Faldo was on the Dan Patrick uh, show a couple days ago, and he was talking about a couple very interesting things. But he was also talking about, you know, the ball and the technology in golf and how they need to keep it right where it's at right now because any further it turns into a joke. And I don't want to be a get-off-my-lawn old man, but – there's not yes, enough. Yes, you do. Land. You very I'm, much want. No, to I, I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. I, I think that's cool always been your. You know, I, you know, I'm always trying to be. I on think the you like edge. to come off as cool and hip, but deep down, you strive. You really want to be a get off my lawn old man, or you can't wait to be one when you're. Yeah, that's old. fair. You're going to be fair. a great. You know, when you're seventy, you're I'm going to be, be a well dressed curmudgeon. That's yes. what it's going to be. That's going to. That's a perfect way to put it. That's that's what it boils down to. Actually, at that point, you're going to think that you're well dressed, but you'll probably be. But but disagree with me then, Matt, because I'm not saying it was a problem at the PGA because that course probably I don't know what it tipped out to seventy three, seventy four hundred yards, probably even longer than that. But you got guys like Brooks and DJ defying physics and hitting the ball. I mean, there was no rollout at this tournament. They were flying the ball three hundred twenty, three hundred thirty yards, and that's where we got to say, all right, guys. This is getting a little bit crazy. Yeah, at some, um, at some point for these guys, I, 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 companies that are never going to stop trying to develop the best technology, but I do think at some point the, the tour do, does need to step in and, and do something about that, about what they allow and what they kind of regulate. Yeah, you got to just regulate the materials point. that are being used because I, I think that they already do, but we're, we're at a, it's been a decade of fine-tuning technology and it's gotten an extra 20 yards out of these guys. How much more fine-tuning can occur? You know? mm-hmm. it, 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 at a certain point, you've fully fine-tuned, and then you have to use new materials, new, use new technology. And I think that that's where they kind of have to put a little red tape around these guys is let's go easy with all the uh, 
four core urethane and this and that. Like, I, I think 330 is as far as I need to see guys hitting drives <laughs> because I don't want to see flip wedges for 18 holes. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see, I'd like to see Brooks have to hit a six iron every once in a while, or I'd like to see DJ um, hitting a four iron. And you know, this does give them the ability to play the the game differently in using these driving irons off the tees and still hit at 270 and things like that. It makes it interesting, but. Um, I, I don't want it to turn into a long drive competition because that's where you do marginalize players like, um, let's say, your your Justin Roses who hits it out maybe around the 300 mark or uh, I, I don't know, Luke Donald's such a you know such a name of old he really hasn't done much in a while but short players who are still effective um, in those types of situations I guess Francesco is your your example, this your is boy. a major champion who who really just kind of slaps it out there, two ninety five. I mean, he did. He did, goes about his business. He did it at a tournament where he kind of didn't have to be all that long. Exactly. Exactly. So in instances like that, I love how he also just thing. said there, just slaps it out there, two ninety five. Well, know that's the game. Though. If you're I know, not, but like, if you're I, not two eighty plus, you're not on tour. Oh, but anymore. like, I'm thinking personally at this point, like, you know, how awesome. Would yeah. be to just kind of like whatever. I'm kind of. Slap Take it out there. Control one two ninety five. I'm gonna hit a controlled two ninety five right down the middle. I, 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 I mm-hmm. can put two ninety five wherever I want to on this hole. My point exactly, Matt. Right, I think that so there nice. needs to be they're removing risk reward from the game a little bit, and um, that's my get off my lawn moment. But no, uh, it was, I, I, I'm with you actually. I just like yeah. giving you crap. You know. Thank you. Um, but no, it was, a, it was a blast to watch. Uh, going back to Tiger a little bit, and, and we will multiple times throughout the pod, but uh, a we final do. round 64, and as we said, he didn't leave many out there. Uh, were you surprised to find that it was his lowest final round at a major of all time? I, I yes, know he's never I really had to be was. in the situation where he had to go lower, but um, but a, a record moment, I guess, in Tiger's personal books. I, was, I would have figured there was a 63 somewhere mm-hmm. in there, or at least another 64. Um, but I, I think to me, all that shows is that like the Tiger Woods of old is never going to be here again because simply he's 10 years older, not just because the injury, not, but just because the back to me, all that. But th- this Tiger Woods is, I mean, he's back to being that competitive Tiger. I think we all hope for on Sundays. I don't think ever expected what happened after what we saw, you know, even just, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, where he you know, wasn't finishing tournaments is pulling himself off. He's down on his knees, could barely get himself up. But it's it's just, it was nice to see throughout this year actually having that guy back, having a reason. Not that I didn't have a reason to tune into the Masters on Sunday or the PGA on Sunday, but it, it's nice to have that big name, that guy back, and still have him be competitive and not really have it just be a sideshow. Have him be a guy who's capable of winning a major again. I think he'll win yeah. a major again. He might not, but he's at least at the point where he's going to be there the majority of the time. It's just nice to have that back. And people, you know, that conversation said a lot now. Will Tiger win a major? He looks better. He looks like he's back in contention. If he doesn't win a major, it's not because of his health. It's not because of his talent. I think if he doesn't win a major, it's just It's a lack of execution. It's a lack of execution. It's, it's also, there's so much less, like we were talking about, there's so much less margin for error now because the guys yeah. that are around him are a lot, but, there's a lot more great players around him now than there were 10, 15 years ago. That, that kind of brings me to the point of, he needs to seize these opportunities. Now, yes. he's had two opportunities in back-to-back majors. You don't know how often you're going to be in that situation with the parity and the talent on tour. He needs to, every time that he's out there, pretend like it's his last because at the start of next season, he'll be, what, 41, 42 years old? I believe old, so, yeah. Something like that. So there's, there's only a handful of seasons where you're out there with the ability to not play, get it around, but actually contend for majors. 
look at Phil Mickelson right now. I think we're done seeing Phil contend. Um, he's I, he'll he's contend too long again at some point, but it, I mean, not on a consistent basis. But I think still think you'll see him here and there pop up, and you know what a gust exactly. So that lack of there. consistency, that lack of consistency, only allows you to be in the conversation every once in a while. Yeah, Tiger's got to take advantage of these situations. Um, but uh, we're going to stay positive here. We're going to stay positive on the Tiger note. Um, it's uh, it was an absolute blast to watch to see the crowd out there again. Uh, the British was one thing. But to be back on American soil with America, thousands of fans just waiting on his every move, on the course, following him, it was a spectacle that made me feel like it was 2005 again. It was, it was Tiger. It was old Tiger from a setting standpoint, and I, I just hooked me up and just pumped that right into my veins because that sort of excitement around the game of golf always seemed different to me because golf is such the gentleman's game and we we golf clap and and there's there's roars there's excitement but nothing like this this is pure on rock star pandemonium and it was so great to have it back now i i want to give you a little bit of a bonus buy or sell here you didn't i didn't get didn't tell you early buy or sell okay bonus buy or sell what's golf related you talked about tiger you talked about phil that that match play they were planning it seems like it's getting finalized here 10 million million dollars winner take off it's right around thanksgiving you, you, you buying or selling this match? You, you like this? You like this idea? You're gonna Absolutely. Watch, you're gonna this is going to be hope awesome. It's on thanks, I hope it's on Thanksgiving I think day. it is the day after. It's either, it says either Friday, November 23rd or Saturday, November 24th. Okay. So Thanksgiving. You give weekend. it to me on that Friday. I'm fine. I'm not leaving the couch. My first thought was You'll have your Huskers you, and Hawkeyes on one TV and oh, Phil versus wait. Tiger on the other. <laughs> How do you broadcast it? How do you bring this to the people? Because it's two people on a course going head-to-head. Even in the Ryder Cup, you have multiple groups out there, and it forces production into a little different situation. I know yeah. this is a little bit uh, a little bit niche, a little bit uh, of the... It's right up uh, our alley, though. Exactly. But how do you make two guys on a golf course entertaining? Because there's three minutes, four minutes between every shot. Um, you better have a ton of guests in studio. You better have some awesome so, montages. I was gonna say, you're gonna have and some I'm sure they will. In studio, you're probably going to have some guests with them on the course, too, would be my guess. I, I think That's you'll have true. some people yeah. walking along with them, you know, talking between shots. You might even have, like, these guys, not all the time, obviously, but mic'd if they've long with you know, mic'd up, you know, we can hear them there. Maybe even stop and talk to David Faraday for a minute while you're walking up to your next shot. I think you'll see I, that, too. I think it could be done right, and it could be really entertaining, but I also think that it could be done wrong, and people will kind of question, what did I just watch? Yeah, see, I'm also you know, interested to see the format, if it's just going to be 18-hole match play, 18-hole stroke play, two 18-hole rounds, like what it's going to be. So um, I'm excited about it, but they got to do it the right way. I'm actually, I'd be more than happy to just watch them like walking up to their ball with three minute breaks in between. I'd like to see how they spend their time. Silence. Yeah. Oh, what's that? What's, yeah. what's Tiger in there? Is that a Snickers or is that a Metrex bar? I can't really tell by the wrapper. It's, it's, it's a bit me. of a sideshow, so Ooh, make Tiger's a, a red Gatorade, man. You think, you think Tiger wears the Sunday red? <laughs> red Gatorade? Disgusting. No, I, I don't think, think Tiger wears the Sunday red. If it's on a Friday, yeah, but um, it's uses, you know it's the last. Day. He uses it as an opportunity to debut a new shirt. And I was going to well, how many something. new shirts? Yeah, exactly. The the shirt count it was at what four on Sunday? Three uh, I on believe Sunday? it was four. Uh, that, I, or, if that, whoever's Saturday, broadcasting the, this, the I'm not sure if it's going to be CBS, NBC, whatever. I'm going to have a little Tiger shirt 
tracker in the bottom right corner. They just, also, so just let everybody know what number shirt Tiger's on. They need a Tiger shirt tracker, and on the first tee, $10 million <sighs> in cash just on a table. They just need to have it out like like a very Vegas situation. Also, like where's it played? What course is oh, it going to be played uh, at? It is at Shadow Creek in Vegas. Okay, so they're they're having it in Vegas. Perfect. Yes. It, uh, yeah, I think it could be a lot of fun. And um, uh, I know I heard some stuff that the tour was uh, not thrilled about the idea of it and the size of the purse, but um, well, get out of my face. Sorry, it's not your business. These are two two near billionaires who who want to have a little fun with some money. And, we're, uh, we're allowed to gamble here, so it's one of the most historic rivalries matchups in your game. And it's probably the last hurrah that we'll ever see them in that high stakes of a situation against each other. Yeah. And uh, I think it, it's going to be a blast. So hopefully they get it right. Let's, uh, can't wait. That's going to be a great weekend of football and now golf. Yeah. So uh, should be a lot of fun, Matt. Um, we'll get to a little bit more Tiger later on in the show. Maybe a buy or sell will pop up. You never know. Who knows? But, uh, Who knows? Let's, let's keep things moving here a little bit. Uh, we got to talk Bears football preseason Game number two, uh, not far off. Roquan is in the bu- Saturday night. Saturday Roquan night. Roquan is in the building. Uh, some joint practices being held in Denver. Ooh, bonus buy or sell for you. Sure, Matt. I love buy yourself joint practices because uh, I said on. You're fine with them because I came out on air here. Uh, that didn't come out right, but um, on That's air it. yesterday I Jesus. said, you know, they're just a bad. They're a bad idea. These guys are all they're doing is using them as opportunities to fight. That's that's what it's become. You can't do one on one drills without a DB and a wide receiver going at each other's neck, and that's why you keep it internal. You let your own DBs and wide receivers go at each other's necks because it's a little bit civilized there. I can but see when the argument. I, I can. I, I, you're bringing I, I, the competitiveness of a opponent, a Sunday opponent, into a practice setting where there isn't the repercussions of a Sunday setting, and that's dangerous. That's fair. Um, I I just I guess I was thinking more from a player's standpoint. Is it gets seeing the same look going up against the same guy every yeah. single day? I know. I know. There's they, they that's play preseason. preseason. What are you no, going to no, do? But they, no, it is preseason, but it's not because you have. I mean, Danny Trevathan starters are going to play four snaps on Saturday night, and then they'll be done. It's nice yeah. to get a different look against a different guy. Couple days and worth of if, looks. If I'm going up in camp against the same defensive lineman nonstop, you know, day in and day out, not only is that probably going to lead to a fight at some point because it's getting annoying, but like I learn how to, you know, I learn somebody's tendencies. I can get a little bit lazy and kind of cheat the different drill a little bit because I know what he's going to do. I know what he's going to try and do. I know what I can maybe do a little shortcut and get by, or maybe how I can cut something off and, and win by, you know, not necessarily doing things the right way but doing things to beat the guy across me. I think this just gives everybody a little bit of a different look. It gives it you know, a little bit of a fresh feel to practice, and it inspires competition, no doubt about it. So I, I'm okay point. with it. I can see the argument you have because it does. It, there's at least one fight a year, two fights yeah. a year when these oh, happen. No, there was, there's been two this week. But Jimmy, like, Ward, Jimmy Ward yeah. and DeAndre Hopkins yesterday. They happen you way had, too uh, often. But I, I get Terrell the, Pryor flinching and Terrell against uh, the dude Terrell Wash- Pryor. Washington. Yeah, there's just... I don't know. It's a lot of posture. I, I get it is, but at the same time, I, I do think there is a definite bonus uh, yeah. to your players, and, and, and there's a reason it. for it. And it's not like they're doing it all the time. It's usually you know one time a preseason before a preseason game. So I'm okay. Yeah. So, I, so buy Bears, I buy it. Bears-Broncos this Saturday. Um, what are you hoping to see out of, out of uh, preseason game number two and perhaps uh, Roquan's first looks as a Bear? Yeah, it's it's... 
we got so excited early on, and I'm, I'm still excited about the preseason, but this is also the point, I feel like, in the preseason where you kind of actually realize, like, oh, this is not actually real football. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it, you still hope to see, you know, Roquan play and, you know, hopefully more than just a series or two and see what he kind of looks like out on a pro field. But other than that, I think you're just looking to see everybody come out healthy. Um, I, I'd like to see, you know, Javon Wims had a really nice night in the Hall of Fame game. He didn't do too much in the second game. I think he could be an option at receiver if he has a nice night. So I, I'm hoping to see something from him. But again, you got Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray throwing to you. So how much to really learn from that? I don't really know what to look for, Joe. I, I really don't. I'd like to see some offensive line depth, but other than that, I, I, I'm hoping everybody comes out healthy, right? Health. That's all you want to look for. Is Health and Cody Parkey makes every kick that he takes. Come out healthy. I want, uh, you know, I want, I want Roquan to get reps, but I also don't want him out there not knowing what's going on, being put in dangerous situations. And that was that was my biggest thing. Yeah, you got to get the contract right. You don't want to get. You know, you never want to get swindled on either side of it, and that's why I kind of put this in the Bears' lap a couple of weeks ago on the pod because you got to get your guy in, you got to make him happy, you got to keep him safe. But at the same time, I understand a defensive playbook might not be as cumbersome as an offensive playbook and a little bit easier to learn. But there's still a learning curve. He's still mm-hmm. got to learn the scheme, and yes, he's got his iPad at home, or, or he doesn't. I don't know because he did get it stolen. I'm sure they got him another one. That but, was a different uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> but easy um, Joe I'm sorry I had to sneak that in there but that that was my word you need the practical application you need the reps to be ready to go out there and not only be effective but you know not get rolled up on not be in the wrong spot not be in a dangerous position so I'm hoping that that Roquan is uh is given the the beginner's level of uh, of Bears defense here and that he's only getting looks in system situations that he's comfortable with. Don't force him into bad situations, I guess is what I'll have my eyes on. Now, I, I, this is going to be off the game a little bit, but I saw there was an article saying uh, there Broncos Sports Radio was talking a little bit about you know the joint practices yesterday, what they saw. Mm-hmm. And apparently they, they were going off about how awesome Trubisky looked and how great the offense looked and, and how they and how Mitch just was very, very impressive throughout practice. So that Good. just got me a little bit. Maybe, and then, maybe but feel you also, pretty good on the inside, Joe. You I'm also excited. have to uh, think that that's, that's the Denver media that has not seen a quarterback at camp since Peyton Manning. You know, that, that wasn't they're, they're that also long ago. A bit, they're a bit quarterback starved in Denver right now. No, I'm yeah, just, but they I'm know, but those the point. Hey, it's, it's Sports it's, Talk it's, Radio, so those guys have probably been on the It's all good. For I, I want by now. They've seen Elway, Joe. So basically what I'm saying. I want our sports saying, writers to talk positively. No, I know. What I'm I know saying what you're is saying, they basically just called Mitch Trubisky. Settle down. It was John a quip. Elway. They're the same person. No, they didn't call him John Elway, and that's my point. That's what I saw. Is no, that Mitch, Mitch Trubisky, Trubisky is, is not John Elway. Just let okay? me have this. Can, can he be? We'll see. You know, John Elway did a lot of things before he was John Elway. Obviously, so, I don't think Mitch Trubisky is John Elway yet. I know. I know, but I'm tempering expectation. Well, this is going to be a rookie season filled with mistakes. Okay? It's second season. Uh, I know, but a rookie, a full campaign. This is going to be his first full franchise year for the Bears. So that's why I'm calling it a rookie season. I know that's not the right term. It's going to be his first year as a franchise quarterback, and there are going to be mistakes. The roof cannot fall when those mistakes happen. I want this guy to be our quarterback for the next 10 years, okay? Just as much as anyone else. He's already. But we cannot micromanage and, and... 
and become hyper aware of his performance in practice. It all needs to add up to a greater uh, body of work that then shines through on Sundays. That's when you'll win my heart because right now there's there are few things that are as encouraging as the actual product. I can't I can't put that much weight into a practice situation. I can't put that much weight into how the guys are saying he is in the locker room. I just can't, you know, because there have been, I guess there haven't been that many quarterbacks before in Chicago, but there have been plenty of quarterbacks across the league who looked great, who were awesome in practice, who had all the intangibles that never really panned out because it's such a demanding league and it's the most demanding position. I want it to work, but I'm tempering my own expectation. Don't get me riled up. Okay, well, I just, I'm trying to get excited. Like, I need a reason to get excited here because the Bears aren't. I asked you what we're watching in preseason game two, and we're obviously not going to watch much of Mitchell Trubisky. What's the, yeah. I just called him Mitchell. So, see, he is winning my heart. I'm calling him Mitchell. Did you see, did you see, uh, Nagy's quote yesterday? They, I think the media was asking, you know, why Mitch, you know, if there's a problem issue with, you know, he keeps seeming to try and test teams downfield instead of hitting the check down. Did you see Nagy's response to that? I did not. That's never going to stop, not in this offense. Yeah, I got so Check. excited. I've never had a Bears offense other than Rex Grossman, who I don't think that wasn't the offense that was him just wanting to throw deep. Like we never let really had an offense. I love that. There's going to be some let it rip and that's or fine, check it down. You know, I can't that's... wait. And then Taylor Gabriel responded to that tweet with just a bunch of rocket ships and smiley faces. So he's and it he's becomes excited. a lot. It, it becomes a lot easier when you have viable receivers that can be deep threats. We didn't have that for the last three years, you know. Getting excited, so, Joe. You're getting me excited. It, it, no, it's all it's all good things, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And feeling really good about my Bears Super Bowl future right now. I'm feeling good about it too, but I'm also, and I know it's a little early to talk about this, but we're in one of the tougher divisions in the NFL now. I think, and I know there's a lot going on in Green Bay and turmoil, but Aaron Rodgers will will his team wherever he needs to as long as he's healthy. The Vikings are going to be really good. I don't know. And, I was playing Madden, and my, my franchise with the Bears and the Vikings were like oh, two and seven. So I don't think. Oh wow! Really good. So just saying. you went full simulation mode. That's good. So, just so that we out practically there. know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, the Bears are nine two. Yeah, it's uh, if they can perform in this division, uh, I don't see why we we're not approaching a yeah, era like, of positivity. Told, a, if they can succeed in this division with these teams that they're playing, you know, twice each, they're going to be in really good shape going forward. It might not be this year where they make a playoff run, but if they can hold their own against the teams that they're going to be playing, you know, twice a season, the Packers, the Vikings, and even the Lions to an extent, I, I really do like where they're going to be at. I had I had a moment the other day where it was almost like a third person. I was looking at it from above, not to be too meta about it, but I was looking at it because it was – I read something where Patriots fans were arguing about something or complaining about something. Of course they were. But the goal is to the goal is to take the playoffs for granted. You know, that's a team that's been in the playoffs for how many straight years? Twelve, something like that. Yeah, thirteen straight years, something something ridiculous like that. We just want to get back to the playoffs, but it can't be a flash in the pan. And yes, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. The goal is to build. A franchise, and maybe not one that wins five Super Bowls and and is a borderline dynasty, and the era is earmarked by us. But it, the goal is to be a regular player in the playoffs. And if they're putting together a team, if they're putting together a head coaching situation, a head coach quarterback relationship that works and gets us closer to that, to being 
playoff contenders year to year, well, then now we're talking because we've never had that as Bears fans. It's always been a flash in the pan, even back in 06, even in, in the Erlacher heydays, even in all those great moments. There was never any consistency to the success. And I hope that we're moving in a direction where maybe this year's a step in that direction. We might not see the playoffs, but but a couple of years from now, we're talking about being in the playoffs consistently. God, just, you're getting me. I'm getting really excited now, Joe. And it's well, just it, preseason week three, week two. It, it seems like it's just it's what it's what you hope for as a, as a sports fan is for your team to be no a I'm contender on a year to year basis. We've finally gotten kind of a taste of that here. I think really for the first time in our Chicago sports fandom, probably with the Blackhawks, kind of gave us a yeah. taste of what that feels like. And you didn't really know what it was like, and now it's I just I want to be there with all my sports teams, and it seems like the Bears are on that track. You're right, but now we just got to hope that we get there. The Cubs are obviously trending there. I think they're there right now. Where yeah, oh, they're definitely. even this season and last season, where it was uh, <coughs> slow Excuse in terms of in terms of the rate that they came out of the gates. Playoffs, you know, they're still in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, they're still they'll... one of the best rosters in the major league. But that's what it comes down to. If you look at the Cubs and you look at the Hawks throughout these. Um, series of assumptions if you if if i may the rosters are always superior you know the coaching is always superior you, you need to have it it's not just going to happen you know yeah i'm totally with you but I, yeah. it, hopefully it seems like we have it's very early but it seems like we have the the foundation the of blocks. beginning that we got building the building blocks. foundation yeah. same thing we're on the same page. Found, no foundation i would have gone foundation if you give me the option of foundation are you saying blocks, i i out vocabulary you um but then, so you you just said out no, vocab- but then you just you said out to. vocabulary. I, so that, no, that you didn't, man. I didn't, but in this situation, I did. Out vocabulary. I out vocabulary, do. You just used vocabulary as a verb. I'm We're done. moving I'm on. Done. I won the <laughs> podcast today. Uh, shut it down. Shut it down. Hit the music. Oh, goodness. Oh. Um, what do we got next, Matt? I'm, uh, my, I'm locked out of my computer here. You know, so I, we, we, we can touch on the Cubs a little bit. There's there's not a ton going on there. Um, they, yeah. they just split with the Brewers, so they're back up to three games. I mean, they're, they're, they're not great. They're not bad at this point. They're kind of waffling. They're, they're going to probably stay up atop the division because that offense is so good and they'll get hot certain games. But it's... I don't want to call them a boring, really good team, but I guess there's not much to talk about there just because we. I think we know what's going to happen. We know what they're going to do. We know they're good enough to kind of flip that switch at times when they need to. Yeah, three games clear. Uh, they got a set coming up with uh, Pittsburgh. Going to Pittsburgh, four game, yeah. Four games set with Pittsburgh, two quick ones in Detroit, back for four in Cincinnati. So it's a lot of out-of-division opponents right now, but then you get the Brewers – Twice in a ten-day span. I mean, uh, that will be September. That right there, and I'm not sure how many, how much they have left with the Cardinals. The Cardinals. They are. They finish with. I think it is. They finish with a three-game set with the Cardinals. Other than that, they don't see him for the rest of the season. That actually, you know, that kind of might come into play. The Cardinals, ever since firing Mike Matheny, who knew if you got rid of a bad manager, your team might, you know, start to play well. Um, because they figured that out in St. Louis. The Cardinals have now, I'm just double-checking here, have now won eight in a row, excuse me, they won last night. So they are they were, I think, nine back at one point. They're now only four back of the Cubs, so I, that's a team who we might even have to look out for too. But at the same time, it's kind of what it's been since we started talking about the Cubs in April. Just let's talk in September. Let's, let's talk when we get to September 1st and kind of see where everything's at, and that's when this is going to start becoming real because they're good enough to get themselves there and be in contention just about every year when this roster, this core is kind of doing what they're doing. So it's, 
Like I said, yeah, it's, not a, it's not a boring team, but it's it's almost like there's not a ton to talk about. Oh, no, about not at all. It's a 162-game season. We know what they are, and we know where they're going to be when really it's all said and done. It's not a boring team, and it's really not a boring league right now. And I know no, you and I are baseball it's, it's fans, a fun, but a lot of, the people, is, is lot of people right? who are casual don't really have um, a reason to turn it on. Well, the reason is that in the AL West – you have four teams within five and a half of the lead in the AL Center. Pardon me, in the NL West, in the NL Central, you have three teams within four games of the lead. In the NL East, uh, you got the Phillies and the Braves duking it out. In the AL West, you got three teams within four and a half games of the league. In, in, and that's not to mention the the wild card races. So yeah, the AL wild I think card is going to be a ton of a fun. A lot. Watch the Yankees there's there's uh, six weeks. Six weeks left in the season. The <laughs> AL wild card is going to be a blast to watch. Uh, New York kind of. Uh, trying to keep their heads above water right now. An Oakland team playing out of their mind in that second wild card spot right now who could very well take over Houston for the division lead. Uh-huh. There's just so much movement that's going to happen in these last six weeks that if you're not watching, now's the time to t- turn it on. Yeah, it's... it's it, it, And teams are fighting every night, so there's your other hook. We'll get there, Joe. <laughs> that's a team. Um, uh, it, it's, it, it's amazing how much more fun... The addition of the second wild card team and you know the one game wild card playoff has made mm-hmm. these pennant races. I mean, it made a team like the Pirates, Ooh, who are now I nine get your, back, go out and get Chris Archer. I want to get your take here because sure. there was a conversation that was had largely on Barstool Sports uh, last week. Is if you make the wild card game, is that considered a season that you made the playoffs? You did Even if you the, lose that wild card game. Well, I believe officially, formally, yes, you made the playoffs. If I'm a guy who's, if I'm a, a decision maker, a, you know, president of baseball ops, a general manager, and I'm with a, you know, my my team's been struggling the last couple of years, underachieving, they make the one game playoff and lose it. Is that going to save a guy's job because he made quote unquote made the playoffs? No. So, so but you you, did, you just said it right there. DS, you just said it right there, though, Matt. You made the playoff. You didn't make the playoffs. Whoa. Whoa! My mind is blown. Mind right is blown. <laughs> it, it's oh. it's an interesting question. I mean, yeah, you did. It's make a great playoffs, area. but like, he, he didn't really make the playoffs. You made the playoffs. Exactly. Whatever. You made gray the playoffs. Area unwritten rules baseball. I I'm with you. You want to? Can exactly. I talk? No, we're gonna get to unwritten <laughs> rules and buy ourselves. So. Uh, yes, we will. Yes. What we do we will. got next? Um. We wanted to hit a little uh, Jalen Ramsey, just running his mouth about everything to GQ. You know, uh, I told you before the podcast, the one thing uh, I took from that, now we had some people on Twitter saying Jalen Ramsey's scared of Mitch, which might be true, but I think he just respects Mitch Trubisky too much <laughs> didn't to even, say Trubisky's even talk name. about him. He didn't even want to bring him up, didn't want to talk about Honestly, him. Honestly, I don't think a I lot of guys know you, who he is yet. Well, they'll figure I it out I don't think soon, a lot Joe. of defenders, they'll exactly, figure it out I hope they year. do, and I hope they figure it out the hard way. Yeah. But... With Jalen Ramsey, I think what we're seeing right now is the typical arc of a defensive back. Comes into the league, is really good, it kind of earns his place, then becomes a world beater, gets a nickname, starts talking, talks too much, falls off the face of the earth. And I'm not saying that Jalen, I, I know Jalen Ramsey's got a lot of good football out in front of him, but this is the arc that DBs take. We, Revis Island was a, a, a short-lived thing. Okay. Yeah. It was he, w- once years. he became Revis Island, that was the downturn. Um, I'm not saying Richard Sherman 
isn't uh, we'll see coming off of a, an Achilles injury, but last year prior to the injury, still a good defensive back, but wasn't Richard Sherman. I'm going to play you one on one and punch you in the mouth, Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. Um, who are some other guys? But th- this is the arc of a defensive back. They they start feeling themselves. Um, they finally get the notoriety of an offensive player, and then uh, they go do an interview with GQ and run their mouth about everyone. I thought it was still it was fun to read. If, if anything, mm-hmm. I, I'm not the guy who would ever say that as a player or want my teammates to be saying that, but as a fan, yeah, it, it's kind of fun to see. It's fun to see his opinions on you know quarterbacks he's never actually faced before. Like he has an opinion <laughs> on Lamar Jackson already. Uh, it's it's, yep. it's fun to it's fun to read. It was it was fun little joke, and I'm glad he didn't. Uh, he had the foresight to not talk about our, our, our boy Mitch. Josh Allen's trash. And Josh just, being, trash. just being honest about it, Flacco sucks. I played him two years in a row. <laughs> he sucks. Oh, goodness. Aaron well, Rodgers I, I doesn't think, suck, though. I think on so, the other yeah. side of the coin, the league, the league does need the trash talk, too, because um, it makes it fun. It builds storylines outside of the game, and uh, I think that's where the NBA has succeeded a lot, is in their storylines outside of the game that guys then bring on court. And you'll never be able to match what the NBA is doing right now because it's such a hyper-focused situation with five guys on the court, um, maybe a, a grouping of 20, 25 guys who really make the clock tick in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when those guys are going at each other's neck, God bless. But you're dealing with such a larger sample size in the NFL that fans are always going to be more interested in their team than than the league as a whole. And I think league interest is what's making the NBA succeed right now. So I'm, uh, by the way, I, I was going through that uh, article, uh, the, the, the GQ article, and SB Nation kind of mm-hmm. had like a quick summary of all the, the people that he talked about. They also at the bottom, starting quarterbacks that Jalen Ramsey did not mention. Did not mention. They didn't mention Mitch. They didn't no. mention it. They didn't mention Mitch. See, I told you, no one knows who he is. They mentioned you Patrick played, Mahomes, who hasn't started. He played a game for in the NFL. seven minutes at North Carolina. No one knows who Mitch Trubisky is. He played fourteen NFL, thirteen, twelve NFL games. I yeah, but no one knows who the Bears are right now either. Oh, so we're waiting in the wings. That's bulletin we're, board. We're material under the radar. Me, that matters. It's bulletin board material for me. <laughs> bulletin. Jalen Ramsey didn't mention you, and neither did the editors. Yeah. Who do you think they are? I'd be oh, so furious. Oh God. So we're gonna we're gonna let him know sooner than later. It's Mitch season. It's Mitch season. Matt, uh, before you sound you sound a bit grievy right now. Oh, I'm always so. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you grieve uh, air some right now. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, this is a little bit more of a, of a serious note, I guess. The, the whole DJ Durkin situation in Maryland is now on, I think, paid administrative leave, probably going to be fired uh, anytime soon. They had the the player, uh, I think, was die of heat stroke or, or something along those lines in, in camp uh, this season. And there have been reports of kind of abusive coaching. And it is, I know I only coach sophomore football uh, or did coach sophomore football, but I, I know people who coach I, a lot of my role models growing up were my coaches a lot of people I learned most from going up growing up were coaches but guys like DJ Durkin and coaches like that are, are why football is under attack 
because for every 20, every, every one guy like DJ Durkin, there's 30 great coaches out there who make a positive impact on their team, on their players' lives, on their team's lives. But these are the guys, and rightfully so, who get put in the media because they put not only, you know, put people's goodwill in danger, they put people's lives in danger at this point. And it's, it's guys like this that really put the game we love, that we grew up playing, that we, you know, still love today, love to watch under attack. And it, it's guys that give, football coaches a bad rep and a bad name and it's just it, it bothers me to see this it seems like it's just about every year or every other year we're not to this extreme but you know reports come out like this about a coach and then you know you had matt canada who's the interim head coach there that he addressed the media for the first time in practice in a straw hat he didn't wasn't a press conference wasn't in a, in a room in a suit in a coach's pullover in a straw hat saying oh the culture here is great we have no problems with our culture you do have problems with your culture, and that's another mm-hmm. issue is you're not willing to address the fact that there's a problem. Because, yeah, you might be close to DJ Durkin and he hired you, but there's clearly a problem. This clearly is yeah. a pattern. Jabril, Jabril Peppers, who DJ Durkin used to be the defensive coordinator at Michigan before coming to Maryland. Jabril Peppers, I saw, came out and said, you know, this was a thing at Michigan, too. He was, people had issues with him there. The parents of the kid who passed away have, have said, you know, they've done some their research and They've made these claims about, you know, DJ Durkin's abusiveness, all that stuff. And they've never once been, you know, disputed by, you know, any other players, families, coaches about, you know, stuff, claims that they've made. So it's just, it gives the game of football and it gives football coaches who are are generally great people, in my opinion. And, you know, you and I have had great interactions with most of ours throughout our entire lives. Gives them a bad name and a bad rap. And just the, the game that we love is under attack. And rightfully so, if that's what one person in, you know, out of 30 is doing. That's too much, and there needs to be a way to weed these out of the weed that out of the game. And as important as winning is, it should never come at the expense of some of the things that it comes at the expense of. I, I agree with with a lot of what you said there, Matt. My biggest issue is the fact that um, we're in an era now where, in both sports and in normal news, the news cycle is so fast that we get off the topic at hand, the actual tragedy, so quick to place blame on something else. And I'm not saying DJ Durkin <coughs> is innocent of all wrongdoing here because he's most likely not. While we've both had successful experiences with our coaches in the past, we've both probably seen coaches toe a line that we weren't comfortable with in the past. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's singular situations, and I can't remember any off the top of my head, but I, you, you can... You can put your coaches on a uh, on a scale of uh, understandingness to to least understanding, and I think that having to deal with that makes you learn things about yourselves, and it makes you you know respectful to authority and things of of that nature. And you get positives out of them, but at the same time, there's a young man who's passed away, and we are uh, we are completely pushing that to the wayside to try and further a conversation, a larger conversation. And, and that's, that seems to be par for the course now, is get off of the tragedy, make a bigger picture, and start saying blanket statements. That's how we deal with these things now, and that's what bothers me. That's totally justified. There, there's, a, there's a team of 100 kids mourning a loss of their friend right now, and we're talking about the head football coach. And was there some wrongdoing? Most likely. Should DJ Durkin be held accountable for those wrongdoings? Absolutely. But like you said, it is a systemic issue where these are individuals who are setting the tone 
for these young men's lives, and they need to be held accountable if that tone is not the right tone. Is football coming under attack? I don't know. I think that's one of those. That might have been. That, I'm sorry. That I might think, have been the wrong. I not didn't mean to say the game in general is coming under attack. I don't. I guess the, the part, or football the part that coaches me, are coming under attack. No, I, I, I just don't, don't think like that that's being, true. I don't like that's. I think there is a reputation or almost a, a stigma that when you see people who coach football, I think a lot of people, not you know, you or me, because we're very close to the game, or people close to the game. Hard asses who don't understand yes. human beings. I, I think yeah. that's the stigma. And there are like a lot of those. The there, there are. are there, there are people who are like that, and I think there is a place for that on a coaching staff. Do you want that to be your head coach? Absolutely not. Your head coach should be like another father. It should be an extension of a family. He sets the tone for everything. Uh Okay. And I know a lot of guys go about it differently, but there are issues that need to be dealt with and it's coming to an ugly culmination when those issues aren't dealt with. So if this is an, if this is a situation where DJ Durkin needs to be made an example of and put everybody on notice, well, coaches are going to be a little uncomfortable because they're going to have to change the way they're doing things. Is that a bad thing? No, because oh, that I'm with means you there. you're recognizing you're recognizing the wrongdoing within yourself. I'm and I'm hoping- not saying coaches should get sought. I'm not saying coaches should get soft and completely change, you know, the way they challenge their guys. But there is a line that needs to be understood, and if that line's being crossed the person who crossed it needs to be held accountable. You don't hear of any wrongdoings from Nick Saban. When, when was the last time we heard of Nick Saban treating his guys wrong? Maybe, yes, recruiting this, that, the other. Nick Saban's towed some lines or whatever. But Never. the guys who are doing it right, you see them doing it right. You don't hear about them doing it right. You only hear about when guys are doing something wrong. So I think just as many people that are doing wrong there are tenfold people that are doing right oh, that's, affecting these these young men in the right way. That doesn't mean we ignore those who are doing wrong. Oh, I'm totally with you. I, I, I didn't want it to make it – I hope I didn't make it sound like I was, you know, saying we shouldn't go after – I think DJ Durkin is 100% in the wrong – like he's – this is – he is the reason why I have this grievance. It's not that people are going after him. It is the yeah. way he's handled his team, handled his players, and somehow still – risen to the rank of you know head coach in the Big Ten Conference. I, I don't know how that happens. I don't understand how that happens. That someone who has clearly had this bad culture, bad aura follow him throughout the ranks because this isn't the first instance something like this reported, how that continues to slip through the cracks and how these types of people are still being, being put in position of power like this. That's what bothers me. It's, I'm not saying that, you know. I, I, think, I think a perfect example of it, Matt, is if you – have you been watching uh, Hard Knocks this season? I saw the first episode. Okay, in the second episode, or it might have been the first. I'm not sure, but Greg Williams comes into the room and starts mfing guys and said, "This is who I was last year. I don't want to be this guy." And, and he's he's self aware. That's the first step to making the change. He he was part of Bounty Gate. It, that's followed him. He's been known to be hard on players. That's followed him. Mm-hmm. He's making a decision to be different. That's what needs to happen. Because if you don't, you get career guys who get reputations like this. And Greg Williams wants to change his reputation. There's a million Greg Williams out there who are trying to change their reputation. And there are just as many who aren't. So I think that this, is, this should be a wake-up call for coaches that are doing it the wrong way. Because there are a lot that are doing it the right way. But that doesn't mean that there are guys who aren't doing it wrong. And the, the problem is is that when you're doing it wrong and you're the head of a essentially a multi-million dollar 
franchise, and I know they're not franchises because the NCA and amateur yada yada yada. But you are, you are the, you're the bar, and if you're setting it in the wrong place or if you're setting it too low, you're going to have issues. Joe, that was very very well put, and I, I agree with just about everything he said. Makes for great radio. I know. Shout out to Greg Williams too. <laughs> uh, that dude, that dude's fun to watch on Hard Knocks. He was on. I really enjoy, I'm too, surprisingly, right? I've surprisingly enjoyed this season of Hard Knocks. I thought it was going to be terrible with the Cleveland Browns, and I, I'm kind of on the Baker Mayfield train now too. I, I was a fan. I was of course a you're on the Baker fan. Mayfield train. Well, I was a huge fan in college, but I'm always hesitant of the undersized quarterback. How many have made it? Drew Brees you, and Russell Wilson. You know, name another. Been, you know who's been fun for me it was a very underrated kind of out of the clouds person. I didn't think I, I just watched the first episode, but John Dorsey. I, I'm a big yeah. fan of that guy walking around in a huge oversized sweatshirt. The, yeah. just, the, the way he talked. I find after when uh, I think when Hugh Jackson's mother passed away, you know, he looks he, like he, he brought, could be like brought everybody in for the group hug, and his group hug, his arms pretty much is wrapped around everybody. It was yeah. um, he, he's been the episode one at least. He was my my underrated kind of under the radar. I love that character. And then I'm googling it right now, but what's the what's the offensive line coach's name? Uh, Wiley. Something Wiley, John Wiley. He looks like, like he could he could be the offensive line coach at Garen Prep just as readily as he could be the offensive oh, yeah. line coach. It was fun. The uh, they He's had, wearing uh, the polo from like nineteen eighty six. I would have said nineteen like seventy four. <laughs> um, they had Joe Thomas on uh, on Pardon My Take right before Pardonox was premiering, and they asked him like, "Hey, you know, you were here last year. Who are some guys you think might be kind of?" Under the radar, like, you know, be the star Fun of the season. Watches, think. Yeah. First guy he said was uh, that, that the O-line coach, Wiley. So I, I was kind of looking out Hilarious. for him, and it was, it was fantastic. He looks like Walter Breblin. He said, it, Joe Thomas, <laughs> he kind of looks like a walrus, and I see it. <laughs> he very much does. <laughs> very much does. Uh, Matt, what do you say we jump into some buy or sell here? I love that. You want me to start, or you want to start? Um, why don't you start us off? All right, Joe, buy or sell uh, the Marlins plunking. Ronald Acuna Jr. last night. I think it was five straight games with a home run and three in a row with a leadoff home run. And uh, they decided instead of uh, actually pitching to the batter, they were just going to put a fastball right in the ribcage. I sell on it 100%. That's as Bush League as it gets. If you can't stop a guy, your option is not to put a fastball in his ribs. There are certain – I'm a big believer in the unwritten rules of the game. And there are situations where – a fastball in a guy's. How do you feel about cheek. bunting to beat the shift? That's Bushley. Or no, bunting to beat the shift is a hundred percent within the realm of that. That's fine. How do you if feel about being hit, no hit, down one nothing in the eighth, and laying down a bunt to start off an inning? That's Bushley. Get okay, out of here. Dallas, get out of here. Dallas. Get out of here right Dallas, now. I will argue. No. If I Dallas Braden. No, that's, that's, that's so, so stupid. stupid. No, if it, you're down one nothing and you have a leadoff hitter who is a good bunter and you want to get a guy on base and you need no. a run, no, that you don't get a hit. I don't, I'm not gonna. Oh, you know what? I, I think I can get on base bunting because they're playing me back a little bit. But he's got a no hitter going, and I don't really care about winning this game, so I'm gonna try and hit it. No, you put down no. the bunt and try and get on base. You try no, to win because, the ball game. Get out. No, of be, that, because that's not the reason you're laying down the bunt. Really, down one nothing. If you say no. Juan Pierre's at the plate, a great bunter who. Juan Pierre, what year is this hypothetical in? Who cares what year it is? <laughs> Juan Pierre. If you, think down, if you think being down one in the eighth no, inning being no hit, that's you can't put out a Let's get back to, to the topic at hand. Get the hell out of here. Let's get back to the topic at hand. It takes a lot to rile me up. That riles me up. Same thing with well, people then not wanting to steal next on John Lester. Putting one in your ribs. That's fine. If you want to do that, then I'll happily take the first two bases. So there's a situation where it's allowable. This is not one. 
This is exa- this is absolute bush league. But I have a grievance on the back end of this buy or sell to bring us full circle here. If you are going to plunk a guy and your retaliation as a ball club, if I am the Atlanta Braves, is to come out of the dugout, somebody better throw a punch. Do not empty the dugouts to look at one another. Because if you're just going to do that, stay in your dugouts, and next season you throw a fastball in his ribs. That's how you retaliate. Don't retaliate by slowly walking out of the dugout and yelling at one another. Baseball's slow enough. Come out of the dugout and throw a punch if you're going to come out of the dugout. Somebody tackle somebody. Yeah, I'm all about the tackle. Okay? Let's not, let's, not, let's not empty the dugouts and the bullpens to look at one another with dirty looks. Let's save okay? the that's where let's I have, just go for the tackle. That's where I have an issue with how the, the Braves reacted. But complete Bush League on, uh, on Miami's part. That was, and, and the umpire should be suspended for not tossing that pitcher right there. I agree. I would have. There's certain situations where you don't do that, and that situation, I think it was Jose Urania, should have been tossed immediately. And I know that Joe West would have taken that opportunity to throw the hook. Oh, yeah. Is any opportunity to get Yeah, you got to make a scene right there. Make a scene. Joe West, I believe, has now umpired more games than anybody in the history of Major League Than Jesus. I think Jesus. Him and Jesus both have. And Jesus umpires all of them. Moving on to the next question, Matt. (laughs) Buy or sell. Still angry Uh, at you. Buy or sell Jim Furyk's hesitation to commit to Tiger Woods as a Ryder Cup team member. Captain's pick. I'm cool with it because I know he's going to be on there. And if it's just him kind of playing coy and wanting to wait till all said and done and give the illusion of, you know, everybody's, we only, we still have four open slots. That's okay. Uh, I, I, I know he's going to be on the team. You know he's going to be on the team. He knows he's going to be on the team. It, it doesn't really matter to me that he didn't quite say it in a press conference. I I get where you you just want it to be said and done, and, and that's fine. I, I'm okay with it. But we all know Tiger's on the team. Uh, do we, though? Yes. I, I, you want to make a bet? No, I don't Double because I think ultimately – on the, on the I think ultimately – I think – well, oh, good point. Good point because – we're going to leave this up to our viewers here or our listeners, and we're going to put a question out on uh, on Twitter, and we need you guys to vote on it to try and figure out our our situation here. Because the wager last week on the podcast was we pick a favorite, we pick an underdog, total score. You won um, either way. Why does this matter? No, I didn't. No, oh, I didn't. You didn't? Oh, no, I wasn't because attention. yeah, it, it got we're, we were completely even. I believe Justin Thomas. Finished at ten under, and who would you have seen? Who Kim? Hao Tong Lee. Hao Tong Lee. Pardon me. Yeah. Um, let's, let's get it Lee, right, Joe. I'm sorry. Hao Tong Lee withdrew yeah. on withdrew on Thursday before or pardon me withdrew on Friday. Yeah. Let's get it right. Six six holes, seven holes to play on Friday. He would have been. He was four over at the time. So if I give you that score, you have a score of six under. Correct. Yeah. 10 over, 6 under. My players, Dustin Johnson, went 6 under. Kevin Chappell went 1 over. So I'd be 5 under. Oh, you would you technically lose. win if I gave you... Well, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. How do we quantify what Hao Tong Lee would have done with the with the next 6 Well, holes? here's my question, He had just Joe. gone, here's he had my just question, gone Joe. bogey, double, here's bogey, my question, bogey. Joe. What did Hao Tong Lee finish at? WD. He does not get what, a score. What was his score when he finished? 
WD. He does not get a score. I, 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 I my, my advice to you going forward is if you want that to be clarified, you want that included. No, 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 no. Talk the about rules it before of, the you rules make of the golf. Rules. This isn't golf. Of, this, this wasn't golf. We're not playing of, golf here. We're playing. Yes, we effect. were. We were not no, playing but, golf. We were but the it. scores, the scores were determined by the rules of golf. How Tong Lee WD'd, and that needs to be worth something beyond his four, his four over score. I mean, you want to call it five and call it a tie? I'll give you a shot. No, I okay. don't. I, well, want, not my I want I want. a dozen Pro V1Xs sent you to are, my front that, door. Yeah, if you think you're getting those. And I want and I want the Moose and Runes viewers to make it so. Well, I think I don't think that's going to happen. That's a call to action, Moose and Runes they, viewers. He finished at four over. It doesn't matter when he He, he didn't finish. That's when a he false was at four statement. Over. He's he a, that's a false statement. It's, he stopped playing at four over. He didn't finish at four over. He stopped playing at four over. Okay. We never said you couldn't do that. The, the, uh, I hate you. Uh, I hate you uh, and I want to end this podcast. Uh, you have my address. You have my address and I'll be expecting TJR stamped Pro V1Xs on my front door. Yeah, I'm, sorry, T, I'm sorry, TJR, to dip into the stash there because I know he listens. I'm an but, honorable uh, man your, your and I son, would actually your buy. Your son made a bet. Your son made a bet. I wouldn't, the player ta- that I wouldn't take his golf balls. I'd buy you. I'd buy you your own. <laughs> but at the same time, I refuse. I refuse. How Tong Lee finished at four when he was done playing golf. He was four over. Okay, so let's do it this way. Let's give the Moose and Runes viewers or, or listeners that 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 engage with the podcast, and we appreciate you guys. Let's give them the option. We're going to put a poll out on Twitter. The three options on the poll are going to be Matt wins, Joe wins. It's a tie. Okay. Okay. That, those are and and whoever wins the situation there, unless it's you, gets the gets the golf ball. I cannot wait to make so many burner accounts at work tonight and just keep voting <laughs> for me. They're all going to be like at Kevin Durant's best friend at Kevin Durant twenty three, not Matt Rooney. <laughs> Definitely not Matt Rooney. I can't wait for this. This is going to be some fun times. Oh, God. All right. So keep a lookout for that poll on Twitter and. Uh, I appreciate your vote. I appreciate or, it. Uh, I think that it could be a successful year for us. I yeah. think that uh, we could uh, do some great things as an American people. That, right, was, a, that was a Barack Obama right there. That's a terrible one. Yeah. What's next? <laughs> uh, Matt, I'm out of buy or sell. You got one. Okay. Got one. Uh, I got nothing else for you. Go to the mailbag. I, oh, I, gotta, I still got to buy or I've had enough you. of you. That's um, rude. No, but we got to. I, like, I thought you asked me the, too. The Detroit Lions. Oh, no, that was a furic hesitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Detroit Lions, they have what's called the uh, their their power hour. Great name. Okay. Um, on it. Sundays, the first 60 minutes, I think it's believe 60 minutes after kickoff or like from kickoff, beers are $3. And then I believe after that, beers are $5 and hot dogs are $2. What do you think of the strategy? You buy and sell the, uh, the, the lower cost for the concessions to get more people in the door spending more and money. I buy it. I buy it. When I say I buy it, I mean 10 beers. I'm buying 10 beers in that, in that first hour. So you might run into some issues in Detroit. Yeah. Um, you, might have issues. Some, you might have some health issues. You might have a uh, my <coughs> situation where fans aren't in the seats until the third quarter. But um, As long as they get there eventually. From a consumer standpoint, God bless them. I wish the Bears did this. I wish more teams did this. I feel like you're going to get more people actually buying concessions now because like originally if I go to a game and I see beers are 12 bucks, like – I'm not going to I'm I'm going to make sure I take advantage and, and take advantage of every last sip of the one that I have before going to get another one but it's $3. Yeah. 
Whatever, I'm done no. with this. Let's go Chug get Chug it down, let's pour it on a buddy's head. Yeah, yeah, let's go just fire it up. My question is, are, are the Lions having trouble putting people in the stands? Because this is totally like a promotion when you can't fill the seats. I don't think so because apparently the Falcons started do, with their new stadium open. They, they started doing a similar thing. And I think this is just a strategy to get more money spent at concession stands. Love it. As Joe drinks his coffee. Um, <laughs> I, I, th- I think they're... Uh, it, we'll see if it works out we'll see if the falcons keep it up but i'm pretty sure it's just like hey if we lower prices to actually you know more family friendly you'll actually get these people not afraid to go up multiple times buy more stuff instead i'm sure you probably have families who you know when they go to the game and say hey we got one trip to the concession stand get what you want and that's kind of it for the game you can write more you can write more tickets on the way home for duis it's full circle yeah the the, The municipality's gonna make a lot more money Oh God! Um, well, drink safely, drink uh, responsibly, and uh, drink at the Lions game. Apparently, yeah, like, you're going to need to when the Bears come in there on Thanksgiving. Uh, speaking of drinking and football games, Matt, I think that takes us right into our mailbag. That does, it does take us into our mailbag. What a That's segue! A great se- it, I, I, I purposely saved that one for last as well, so it's credit <laughs> me too. Um, Joe, it's it's tailgating season. Can you it can you believe it? It's already tailgating season. We're here. It's not quite, but you know, we're about a week away, two weeks away. Um, talk about your ideal tailgate. This is going to be pretty open-ended. This is a pretty open-ended mailbag. There's no specific question to it. Talk about your ideal tailgate. Talk about how long you want to be there, what you're eating, what you're cooking, what you're drinking, where you're at even. I, I know we, uh, we had some fantastic ones down in Bloomington, Illinois, a couple times. Oh, yeah. Uh, one, one, or, one or a couple, two, three times. Uh, but but talk, talk to us about it, Joe. I think a tailgate really needs to take on the uh, the tenor. Uh, it needs to take on the the lifeblood of where you are. Better word. If, if you're at uh, if you're at an LSU tailgate, I want some etouffee. I want some gumbo. If we're at <laughs> Matt, a big wait, ten- question, question, yeah, etouffee. Yeah. Don't know what that means. It's a dish. I don't. It's like a Southern Creole dish. Okay, um, probably pass then. Yeah, you, I'm sure you'd enjoy it. Um, why? Why me? Because you like you like spicy jambalaya type things, right? No, I don't. You're, oh, you you're don't lying. know me at all. Everybody loves jambalaya type things, yeah, but uh, I think it should it should really like it should really take the um, personality of where you are, and I think a midwestern tailgate in November with a gray sky, everyone's got a sweatshirt on. Uh, you want you're you're slugging beers, but there's there's a pitcher, there's a big Gatorade cooler, of hot toddies going. Um, Matt's on the grill doing burgers and hot dogs, but you got steaks out, you got kebabs out. Options is the best thing at a tailgate. You big kebab guy? I love a kebab. I love what's, a kebab. What's your what's on your kebab? What's chicken kebab? kebab. My when I when I get out here on the grill, we got a beautiful grill here at the uh, at the apartment. So you are grill or is a communal grill? It's communal, but not many people use it. It's right by the pool, which is like 200 feet from my front door. It's gorgeous. Nice. We, we get out there. We do a lot of grilling. And the kebab, uh, shout out to Danielle Musso, who sent me some actual like metal skewers that you're supposed to grill with. Um, we go chicken. We go red pepper, orange pepper, onion. Chicken, or pardon me, chicken, onion, red pepper, orange pepper. You want that onion touching your chicken, Okay. Not a big because onion that, guy. Oh, little red onion on a kebab. Not a big onion You get that little that grill char on it. It's a beautiful thing. But it's all how you season it. I've been going very Greek lately, very Mediterranean in my in my olive oil and spicing of my kebab. So uh, a traditional kebab is how I've been doing it lately. But a beef kebab. We've gotten off the rails here, but 
your tailgate, you can take any direction. The most important part of a tailgate, two things. You gotta have a, a football there. You gotta have a pig skin. Gotta be able throw, to toss around. Gotta, gotta be able to throw bit. it around. Like feel like you're gonna go out there and get a first down for the team. You gotta have that. And it's about the people that you're with. You gotta be with your people. Cause you can walk up to a, an awesome tailgate and know nobody and yeah, you make friends. You have a good time. But if it's if it's your tailgate, if you're if you're in the legends lot at N D, if you're if you're in the back parking lot at uh, Illinois Wesleyan, you know, amongst your people, that's where it's the best. And if you can get the Stindies to bring a smoker and smoke ten thousand pounds of fish, then then God bless. Oh, and that was always then so you're in good. The ribs or smoke the ribs, fry the fish when they Joe, were bring that. Yeah. You you uh you a bloody Mary guy at a tailgate? You bloody Mary. The bloodiest guy? of Marys. Uh, and see, the, spicier, the, the spicier I'm not the the spicier the better. Oh, you gotta have a it's bloody not, I don't, I, The texture, it's just I can't it's I don't like hate it. It's just it doesn't do much for me, if that makes that sense. Toma- the healthiness of the tomato probably turns you off too. So hey, that's um I like ketchup. <laughs> um i'm more of a i'm more of a gimme from there in the morning especially give me so give me a cup of coffee let's throw some baileys yeah that's start how off I get with my day going irish there. coffee there's got to be booze and everything okay oh, yeah. of course got to be booze and everything Joe, what do you think I, I got four i'm mostly going to a college game i got four hours to really just go sit in there and then just kind of that's where i get, in get trouble. back to being me that's where i get in trouble though is you're a bears game guy you start mixing no you start you start mixing you know, everyone wants to do a shot of uh, Dr. McGillicuddy's to warm the body up, but you already had two Bloody Marys and six beers. See, that's see that the key there is you just got to get to the tailgate at like 8 a.m. Yeah, but that Give but my point is you end up drinking everything and you want to vom. But what's also very important about the tailgate is the post tailgate. You got to have someone who doesn't have tickets to fire that grill back up like mid fourth quarter. You got to have someone on the outside. Because your team, me, if you're having that post tail, me your team half be an right. hour before kick, half an hour before kick, I'm inside. Like we got to be inside. I'm not missing oh, opening yeah. kick. There's a lot of people that are tailgaters before they're football fans. That's not me. No. Okay, we get there, we tailgate, but we're there for the game. So you got to have a designated outdoor person who can, you know, clean up a little bit after the initial tailgate. Relax, get things set for the post tailgate, and hopefully it's a celebratory. I was going to say, if, a, if it's a post tailgate, uh, if I'm doing a post tailgate, it's got to be a win. If my t- if I'm coming out of Notre Dame Stadium and they just lost a tough one, I don't want to stand around and eat. Food you want to go home? I want to go home. I want to go home, yeah. put on a hoodie, put my hood up, and sit on my couch and not talk to anybody for about that's three a fair hours. point. Maybe maybe, maybe three days. Um, I've also been a part of a couple party bus tailgates. Uh, to, to Notre Dame games, which are a lot of fun. It's not traditional because you party bus it there, you drink the whole way there. It's a little different. Um, then you get to the tailgate. And gotta have a bathroom a lot of, on the party bus. Then. It's a lot of fun. See, that's the issue. Yeah, you gotta, gotta everyone have looking for bathrooms. Um, but uh, there's plenty of ways to do it. All of them, all of them, fantastic. But like I said, it's about the people you're tailgating with. Oh, that's very. Shout out to all the people that I've tailgated with. Same. Shout out to Pole Fifteen. <laughs> uh all right matt that uh that's that's the mailbag for the day i believe uh unless you have anything else for the people here i'm gonna i'm gonna shut us down promptly not that i know of so why don't you take it away shut it down shut it all down shut it down shut it down houston we have shut down i've seen enough shut it down all right, uh, with today's shutdown, we, we shift our focus. A lot of it's about exhibition football, but we're talking about exhibition basketball and NCAA basketball at that. Uh, the Duke Blue Devils. Blue Devils? Gross. The, the Duke Blue Devils? Uh, the, Blue, <laughs> the Duke Blue Devils played an exhibition matchup with uh, God knows who yesterday. 
Zion Williamson, who was the dunking sensation on Instagram, the lefty, big dude, he went off for 29 points, had, I think, three or four blocks where he almost hit his head on the rim. He's much more than a Instagram sensation. He's going to be one of the better players in in the NCAA next year, in college basketball. It looks like Duke and Coach K and all of their facilities have been working with him in the offseason because he knocked down a few threes, a few jumpers. That's where people were knocking him, saying, you know, he's not a complete player. He's just a dunk artist, this and that. But the highlights that I saw yesterday made Zion Williamson look like a problem. And I don't want to call it one and done. I don't want to say this and that. But he's going to be so much fun to watch. We haven't seen a dunker like this in a long time. And if you compare that with some actual game, with, with the ability to run off in some sets, to dribble, to shoot, then you got a guy who's NBA ready and who's going to be a problem at the NBA level. I know everyone saw him earlier in the week jump from the free throw line, throw down a dunk. But it looks like Zion Williamson's going to be much more than just that, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. That's my shutdown. I'm not a not a Duke guy, so I don't have any comment. You just completely didn't listen to anything that I said once I said you, the word Duke. You said Zion Williamson and Duke, and I, I yeah, it doesn't doesn't do much for me. That's quite childish of you, man. I never claimed to not be you. a child. Well, you got something better for the people. Just uh, shut it down. Well, I don't know. Somebody in that game had 34 points, so mm-hmm. Wait, somebody no, he, he also played for Duke, so. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't count. Also, doesn't count. It doesn't count. All right. Well, uh, on that note, uh, Moose and Rose listeners, we appreciate you it. Guys. Was this was a Thanks fun week, for, Joe. Uh, I think we had some fun this week. I think. Yeah, because you made like a lot of wrong points, and then I, I think uh, your baseball opinion them. is incredibly wrong, and you care more yeah. about you know the other uh, pitcher's feelings than winning a baseball game. No, it's but not other the pitcher's that, feelings. But what else if he if he gets twenty six up, twenty six down, and you want to lay that. down a bunt? If I'm down one nothing and I need a run, I'm trying to get on base yeah, any okay, way possible. Yeah. Well, I've never seen you beat out a bunt anyway. I never. That's going to do it for Moose and Moon's episode sixty seven. Had to get a shot in there at the last minute. Uh, I was a great as sack always. Puncher. We appreciate we appreciate you guys for tuning in. We obviously have a blast doing it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And get on Twitter, vote on the poll, vote and, and just re- just remember that Matt picked the player who withdrew, and there needs to be a penalty for that. So Why vote Joe. A penalty for that? Get me a, a free dozen golf balls, um, and hopefully they have the TJR stamp on them because, as I said to Matt in the text message, there is guaranteed a hole-in-one in one of those sleeves. So right. that's, uh, that's, what, that's what they're billed as. Thank you guys, as always, for listening to the Moose and Roots podcast. Uh, like it on Twitter, follow us on iTunes and everywhere else you can get podcasts and podcasts exist. That's going to do it. We appreciate you guys. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. We'll talk to you soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.